At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we step into the new year, we're turning to the book of James for our message series, Live the Truth. In a culture preaching the power of whatever feels right to you, it's time to set aside positive vibes for a truth you can stand on. Join us as we answer James' call to reject the latest feel-good message for a mature faith. appreciate your ministry so much. Don't you appreciate their ministry to us? Every week, so faithfully prepared, and your hearts are truly seeking God's glory. Thank you for that. Wanted to let you know that um, we've made a commitment here at Woodside Algonac to gather faithfully as a church just to worship and pray, realizing that we don't have the strength in and of ourselves to First of all, walk faithfully with him. We're desperately in need of his power in our lives. Secondly, to fulfill his mission. We can't do it in and of ourselves to reach people for the, for, with the saving knowledge of Jesus. That's not a human accomplished effort. God uses our witness, but, but it's his power. And so we've committed to gather uh, once a month as a church to worship and pray on Sunday night. Um, and we met at the Troy campus uh, in January, and in February, on the 20th, Sunday night, the 20th, put that on your calendar, uh, you're invited to join back here on that Sunday night just for a time of seeking God's heart. Well, stripped down, it's nothing fancy, it's just a time to pray, seek His heart, to enjoy worshiping Him, but finding the grace to help in time of need. So I look forward to that. Well, turn your Bibles to James chapter 2, if you would please. be good to have some house lights on so you can see your Bibles. That would help. It'll help me. I'll be able to see your face uh, clearly, too, as we spend time in, in His Word. I hope you've enjoyed this short study. We can't get all the way through the book of James, where our goal was to cover the first couple chapters. Uh, and so we'll look at, really, a passage that's at the heart of the book of James. If you were to take those five chapters and put a line right in the middle of the front cover to the back cover of this book, you would get to this passage. And I think that's on purpose, uh, that at the heart of this is this message from God. You know, every once in a while, um, someone checks to see if my money's any good. Now, it's often some computer system when I stick my card in that thing, and there's those few seconds of we're waiting to see if it's approved. And it is. That's good. But every once in a while, I pay with cash. There's still this thing called cash. Have you heard of it? Yeah, it's like there's paper money. And normally when I do, it's like little bills. But every once in a while, I pay something. I buy something with the big bills, like the 50s and 100s. You know, I haven't seen very many of those. But every once in a while, I'm paying with that. And then I have this fearful moment when the cashier takes that bill and they reach in their drawer and find out that, and grab that um, counterfeit detector pen or whatever you call that thing. And they, they draw on that bill and then take those couple of seconds to see if my money is any good. You been there? 
Right? Do, do, have you ever had the thought like I have almost every time? I mean, it's not very often because they don't usually carry hundreds or fifties. But when I have to give them and they do that, I have this thought of, what if it's not? Because I didn't do that when someone gave it to me. You know, when somebody gave me that hundred, whether it's the bank or whatever, I just trusted it was good. So now they're not trusting that it's good. So what if it's not? What do I do? It's important that we test our currency because currency that's not genuine breaks down our economic system, right? Well, James is taking a counterfeit detector pen to your faith in James chapter 2. James claims that there is counterfeit faith. He's basing it on Jesus' teachings that there are People that walk through life claiming to have faith, but it will be revealed that it's not. One time Jesus mentioned this when the religious leaders started condemning and criticizing Jesus' disciples for starting to eat their meal without ceremonially washing their hands. And Jesus responds to their criticism and says, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you that this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me. Jesus said, there's vain worship. There's empty worship. There's this reality that many people walk through the world saying they worship God, but their hearts are the furthest thing from that. Jesus even said, one day in heaven there will be this tragic day when Jesus will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. And they'll say, but I thought you did. Because look at all this. And Jesus said, your, your worship was empty. It was vain. So James, the stepbrother of Jesus, who wrote through the power of the Holy Spirit, the book of James, picks that theme up and says, there is a faith that is dead and there is a faith that's alive. So if you're, if you're willing, if you're courageous enough, pull out that $100 faith. And let's let the book of James draw the mark on it to see if, in fact, your faith is real. Verse 14, James chapter 2. James teaches that faith without actions is dead. Verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily bread, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. James starts this, uh, this argument or this dialogue between him and the reader and frames it with this question that will elicit a negative answer. He says, what good is it? And you're, always, you're already postured to say, well, probably not any good. He says, what good is it? If you have faith, but you don't have works to demonstrate whether faith is genuine. If there's no works behind the faith, then that, 
that can't be a good faith, right? It can't be a saving faith, right? And then he pictures it with this illustration. It's kind of, it's kind of one you can picture, and it's really interesting on the Sunday that we encourage you to get a care bag filled and so you're ready to demonstrate care to those that are struggling with housing crisis. Presents this scenario if one of you or one of us walked out that door and on our way home we encounter somebody that's frigid cold, they don't have needs met, and we stop and we say to them, Hey, I hope things get better. And then you roll your window up and you drive home. James says, does your well wish help at all? <laughs> of course that doesn't help. Charles Schultz, anybody remember that name? Uh, with the peanuts, right? Artist. Um, Kids, you can talk to your parents about what I'm talking about. But Snoopy, Charlie Brown, Linus, uh, way back at the beginning, he, he, he renders this with one of his comic strips. And, and Charlie Brown and Linus are walking down the snowy road and see Snoopy. Snoopy looks kind of cold, doesn't he? Well, I'll say he does. Maybe we should go and comfort him. Be of good cheer, Snoopy. Yes, be of good cheer. And they walk away and Snoopy says, What? What is that? That James, James inspired that. To say this does no good. To give someone a well wish and don't do anything about it. In a way, James is assuring that we understand that there can, in fact, be a useless faith. A faith that is verbalized and yet not acted on, and he encouraged us to examine our life, for the reader to look carefully at his own life to see if faith is claiming something that's not true. In other words, some would say in faith, in their faith, that yes, I believe in Jesus, and yet um, the values of that person don't match the values of Jesus. The treatment of others is the same way that people that don't know Jesus would treat others. A lifestyle can be pretty much categorized as a lifestyle of everybody else. So the question is, if it's just faith that's verbalized and hasn't produced a change in a person's life, then is it really faith? James says, what good is that kind of faith? Faith is empty, lifeless. In contrast, secondly, verse 18, he says, faith with action is alive. Verse 18, he says, but someone will say, well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, James says, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And then he, he goes through this illustration, a number of them. He says, you believe that God is one and you do well. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish persons, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. 
And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So he continues this dialogue with the reader as maybe there would be some challenge to him. And the, the reader would say, hey, I have faith. That's what's needed. And James says, well, you can't separate the two. That faith is connected to the works that demonstrate it. It's revealed through actions. And what we do will demonstrate whether faith is legitimate or whether it is a facade that's been placed over a different set of beliefs. And then he gives these three examples. First of all, he gives the example of the Shema. The Shema is a confession of faith from the Jewish people that goes way back to Moses when he was going to um, send the people into the promised land. And he's giving them the law again. And he gives to them, it's recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this, this statement of faith that all the law is built on, all their identity as Jewish people is built on this statement. The Lord God, the Lord is one. James, being a Jew, writing to believers in Jesus who were also of Jewish heritage, he says to them, think about the Shema, that statement of faith. God, the Lord, is one. We say that all the time. We say that every day when we wake up. We claim it when we walk into the temple. We teach it to our children. But in, when you think about it, don't the, don't the demons also believe that? Doesn't Satan himself believe that the Lord God, the Lord is one? What good is it to them? And then he says, and then, and then think about Abraham. This is a hero of our faith. And there's this statement that we cling to that it was because of Abraham's faith it was counted to him for righteousness. But wasn't his faith demonstrated by his willingness to offer his son as a sacrifice? Didn't that demonstrate that he truly did believe? Didn't that demonstrate that what he claimed was in fact true? And then, and then think, of, think of Rahab. And Joshua chapter 2 records the story. She was a prostitute in, a, in the city of Jericho, in a, in a pagan city, that as it was going to be the first city that the Hebrew people occupy. God promised it to them. And so Joshua sent spies into, into the city where they could see what God was going to provide for them and bring back a report to the people. Rahab had heard about the claims of this Lord God, this Lord who is one. And she welcomes them in and hides them from the, the, 
the soldiers in Jericho so they can be spared. And then he sent, she sends them off. And before she sends them, she says to them, I believe in your God. And when you conquer our city, remember me and my family. And James says, so Rahab, if she said she believed but didn't do anything about it, did she really? But in fact, wasn't her faith proven genuine by what she did? The book previous to James is the book of Hebrews, and I love reading through chapter 11. When it talks about this concept of faith, true faith, it gives this list. Some call it the hall of faith, hall of fame of faithful people. And how it begins by saying, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what it is. It's taking God for his word. It's the evidence of things hoped for. The, evidence, the confidence of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. So you have to have faith for God to welcome you into his family. And then it gives all these examples of people that had faith. For instance, Abel. Remember Cain and Abel? It says Abel had faith. That's why he offered to God an excellent sacrifice. Abraham had, or excuse me, Abel had faith in God, and so he demonstrated it by his, by his sacrifice. Remember Noah. Noah had faith when God said, I'm going to flood the earth, but I'm going to spare you because you found grace in my eyes. So Noah had faith in God's word, so he built a boat. Moses had faith in God who revealed that he was the greater God than the Egyptian gods. And so he left the royalty of Egypt and accepted God's assignment to lead his people, the Hebrew people, out of slavery. Remember Gideon and David and Samuel and so many mentioned in that, that chapter of people that had faith in God and proved it was genuine by what they did. So James comes back to us and says, so examine your hearts to reveal whether your faith is truly alive. He places this challenge at the heart of his letter that's filled with these descriptions of life in the kingdom Many of these things that he talks about can be traced right back to what Jesus taught while he was on earth. And in the heart of it, he says, so you say you have faith in Jesus, but does, is this what your life looks like? James is pressing in. He's so practical. He presses into this tendency for us to be people full of good intentions, Right? I mean, we say we believe something, and we kind of wish we would live like that, but just the pressures around us are just too high, and so we just decide just to come and acknowledge truth, but then we leave at a place where we acknowledge it, we leave it, we go home to our lives and live the way we wanted to live it anyway. And the question is then, is our faith alive, or is our faith dead? James began his book by saying, so when you have various trials, count it joy because those trials will produce patience and patience will produce steadfastness. It will mature you. So James in a sense is saying, so when trials hit your life, 
What's your response? James earlier said, this is pure religion. Not that you go to church every Sunday. Pure religion is how do you care for people that can't return the favor? That's true faith. James in chapter 3 will begin to talk about the tongue. Where he'll say, I know you say you believe in Jesus, but what comes out of your same mouth the next day makes me question it. Do your words demonstrate the faith that you claim? Or do you still talk the way a person talks that has no knowledge and no relationship with Jesus? He says to the employers in the group, he says, so are you treating your employees with fairness and dignity? Or are you treating them the way an unsafe person would treat them? Is your faith dead or is it alive? When you get sick, he says in chapter 5, a person that has faith goes to God with effective and fervent prayer. And as a person prays, God will hear and he will answer. Some of you don't have because you've never asked. So when you get sick, call a believing friend and say, I'm struggling. Would you just pray for me? In fact, he says, so when you get sick, church, let the elders, in other words, let the whole church intercede for you because you're not alone on this journey of life. You've been saved into a family. So together we go through these things. James says, what's your faith? Is it real? Or like so many, is it just something you say, but it hasn't dramatically affected your life? Is faith alive or is it dead? As I was processing that this week, I thinking of my own life and when my faith was tested. You know, there's so many times, even just normal everyday life, where you're tested on whether you truly believe Jesus and you're following him or whether you're just saying it. I was even thinking recently a month with lots of expenses and things, and it got to that place where it was time for me to, to give, my, give my gift to the Lord, give my tithe, and I had that time of testing when it was like, I'm not sure I want to give to the Lord my first, because I'm not sure I have enough. And I ask myself whether I truly believe God's word, that there's blessing when you honor the Lord with the first fruits. And that crisis of decision, am I going to truly act on my faith or am I going to live with dead faith that says one thing and does something else? And then there's tests that come in big times and big crises. I remember as Jesus began to work in our hearts regarding adoption. And I remember that battle that I had with God. A particular Sunday, I was preaching on God's heart for the orphan and the widow and how the church should be active and caring for, for those that don't have, have families and and God began to hold up a mirror to me and said, do you really believe this? And I knew I believed this. And that's why I was preaching it, right? I mean, if you believe it, you should preach it. And then God began to ask that question in my heart on, okay, but am I 
Are we going to live out that reality that God's called the church to welcome orphans and people without families? And I had lots of answers to God. I had lots of reasons why he probably should talk to somebody else about that call. But I had to wrestle with that decision of, am I going to believe God's character and his call on my life and follow it? Or are we just going to claim it? I don't, I, I don't know the crisis in your life. You're going to have daily ones. You'll probably have this crisis this week, maybe this day, where you're going to have the opportunity to step in faith and do something or say something or not say something because you believe God's word is true. Or you're going to feel that human tendency to do what you've always done and cope the way you've always coped and do it whatever is just like what most people do, whether they believe in Jesus or not. And then every once in a while, you're going to have that big decision of faith where you have to ask yourself, am I going to choose this major road that would change the direction of my life because I can see that God is calling me specifically to it? And what is your faith going to be? Dead or alive? There's, there's something you need to remember is that James is not calling for, per for perfection in all these areas. James uses that example of agriculture and... Um, and maturing, physical maturing to reveal God's plan. He's not implying a process of, of doing everything perfectly, but he is strongly stating that as children of God, we are progressing on this journey of trusting him more and more and more, and our lives becoming more and more conformed to the image of Jesus so that we talk like him and we act like him. We value others the way Jesus values and values them, and we become more distinctly different than those that don't follow him. So where are you on your journey? Salvation isn't something you earn. James isn't saying that you have to do religious things in order to earn salvation. Salvation is something you receive by trusting in the work that Jesus has done. We sang about that today. We celebrated it through communion. God has done all that's necessary to grant us redemption from our sin. He simply calls us to respond by faith, receiving what he's done for us, confessing him as Lord, and then demonstrating that it was true faith by then living according to it. I know there's, we're all on various aspects of our journey. We're all experiencing different aspects of this challenge of faith. But the Holy Spirit empowers us to follow him faithfully. What's your faith? As God, God brings that pen of counterfeit detection and he swipes that across your life, what does he see? Father, I pray that we would be honest, that we'd be transparent with you, that we'd allow you to truly 
Father, reveal to us if our faith is real or if it's a statement without life. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for continuing to speak to us, to draw us, to to move us along this journey of maturity. And Father, I know there is great blessing and there's great delight and enjoyment of you when we become more and more saturated with your presence. So I pray that in this moment, Lord, you would bring to life what formerly was dead. Maybe there's some here, Lord, that have never fully placed their faith in you for salvation. I pray that today, this would be the day that they make that statement of faith. They confess you as Lord and believe in their heart that you've raised Jesus from the dead. Maybe there's, maybe there's students here that have been here because their family comes, but maybe this is the day that they say, no, this is going to be my faith, and I'm stepping in because nothing else, I believe that nothing else will last other than Jesus and his claim and his kingdom. Maybe there's marriages that will endure today because one or both are willing to say, no, he's promised to care for me as I love my spouse unconditionally. Maybe there's relationships that will be reconciled because someone would say, no, as God has forgiven me, so I'm going to forgive the other. Whatever it is, Lord, I I, I just pray that you would grant us that faith. We don't have it in and of ourselves, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can place our faith fully in you. So do that work, even as we reflect and ponder specifically what you're saying to us. Be with us during this time as we listen to you and we commit our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and let's, let's reflect on this. Let's commit ourselves to him. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.